0: Welcome to the Walking in Purpose podcast, where we teach you how to discover your God ordained purpose for your life and relationships. And I'm your host Afo Ken Wozuzu. So let's get down to it. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. I hope you had a good weekend and that you're well rested for the new week. Um, this weekend, I've just been meditating on what to speak about, and the Holy Spirit reminded me of a race. And I had to think about that one for a bit because there are a few different races um, I am familiar with. Um, I don't know about you, but in Nigeria, we did sack races. um, And that's where you jump in a sack and you try to reach the finish line while running in the sack. Uh, I don't even remember if you had to ensure you didn't fall before reaching the finish line. Anyways, that's sack race. And I'm sure the Nigerian listeners will be familiar with this race for sure. Um, And there's even a lime race where you hold a lime in a spoon to ensure it doesn't fall. I know some people run this race by holding a spoon with their mouths. Not sure about that one, though. But I'm only familiar with the lime race, where the spoon is held in the hands. But there's a race I never encountered in Nigeria, perhaps because it wasn't done in my school, so I wasn't familiar with it. But whenever the, the word race is mentioned, I always also think of that race. And it is the three-legged race because it was so fascinating to me. And if you're not familiar with a three-legged race, it's actually a race that involves two people running together to complete a race by strapping the left leg of one runner to the right leg of another runner. And while running with legs strapped together, you have to um, ensure that you don't fall over. And of course you have to try beating the other contestants, uh, contestants just like any other type of race, right? Um, so I thought it was funny at first, but when I actually tried out the race with my husband some time ago, I got a better understanding of this three-legged race, like its importance. And while running, of course, we looked silly at first um, and we just moved, however, and of course we almost fell too. But then we had to stop and strategize because it was important. We had to stop and strategize on how to move with our legs strapped because we were going nowhere. And I discovered that strategizing meant that we knew what steps to take and we had to move with rhythm in harmony, to ensure we didn't trip over ourselves. Also to ensure we kept moving to run our three-legged race. We had to ensure we kept moving. Not because it was convenient, but because we had a goal in mind. And also to say that we successfully (laughs) ran a three-legged race just for fun anyways. You know what I mean? But most importantly, to reach the finish line because we were in it to win it. And that's why this message is titled exactly so, In It to Win It in Relationships and Marriage. From my story, my husband and I, we were only uh, able to run that three-legged race effectively because we supported each other. We weren't moving only because the other was moving, no. We had to move together in harmony with an understanding of ourselves and also with an understanding of the goal, which was to get to the finish line that day. So we had to give it 100%, not 50-50. Likewise, with our own relationships and marriage, we can only be in it to win it when we understand the other person we're walking with and also understand the goal of the marriage or relationship, which will require 100% from both parties to get to the finish line of 50-50. Because if you check it, I didn't need to understand myself to win that race, no. I've been with myself my whole life and I've been walking with God so He can tell me who I truly am and he keeps telling me who I truly am. So all that's covered, okay? I already had a very good understanding of myself. So why should I get into a race with my husband and yet don't bother to understand him? Because what happened when we were running that race was I had to understand my husband and he had to understand me. So we had to first understand ourselves and understand that we were there to support each other to achieve the goal of reaching the finish line before we could understand how to effectively achieve the goal. So how much of ourselves does God intend for us to invest in our relationships anyway? And relationships do include marriage, by the way, because it is a lifelong relationship. I know a lot, of, a lot of us might argue that marriage should be 50-50 effort, but I firmly believe that it should be 100% in it's to win it, right? So is it 50-50 or does God intend for us to give it a full 100% in our marriages from both parties? I know in the Bible it doesn't specifically um, list out ten ways on how to, um, or sorry, on how much to invest in your relationship or marriage, uh, but it does certainly show us the mind of God and His intention for our relationships and marriage. And based on how God has relationships, um, you know, with us, we get to understand how we ought to have relationships with our spouse in a marriage. Okay, but how is your relationship with God? If you have a setup with God where you give 50% to God in your relationship with him, that's naturally what will show up in your own relationship. You see, you can't give God 50% and expect to give 100% in your marriage. It doesn't work that way because like we discussed in a previous episode, the relationship you have with God will be a reflection of your own relationship or marriage. But the problem is most of us are getting into relationships for ourselves as opposed to getting into the relationship or marriage for the other person. (laughs) I think someone needs to hear that word again. Most of us are getting into relationships for ourselves as opposed to getting into relationship, marriage, for the other person. It's crazy, right? Meaning that we should get into or be in a relationship not for ourselves, but for the other person. But the balance can only be achieved when the other person gets into the marriage or relationship for you and vice versa. Yes, I know what's the point, right? It may sound crazy. It may sound like the unpopular way for relationships. But the truth is we're not here to preach a populist message, no. But the undiluted word of God because he created relationships. The point is, when you enter a relationship for yourself, everything you do and whatever goals you have for that relationship is coming from a place of self. Hence, it is a selfish approach to your relationship. I know some might say, of course, I have to get into the relationship for myself or like Nigerians would like to say, before it just means like, of course. But the truth is, God intends for us to be in relationships for the other person, not for ourselves to have their back, to help them grow and walk into their destiny, ETC, or et cetera. And both parties in the relationship should be in the relationship first for the other person. You know, we have to love like Christ did. But let me ask you a question. In your relationship with God, does he get into a relationship for himself? Or does he get into a relationship for you? I don't know about you, but God is in a relationship with me for my own good, not even for his. Because he is God all by his mighty self. And I know some may say, well, he is God, he's perfect, so of course it would be that way. Yes, true. But we are Godlike, created in his image. So like father, like child, we should also be in relationships, not for ourselves, but for the other person. Ephesians 5, reading from the message version, it says, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Excuse me. (laughs) Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He did not love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. So God gets into a relationship for us, not for himself. And he gives everything of himself to us. And that's 100% given right there. God is 100% committed to you. So we should also do this in our own relationships. Like the verse says, like children who learn, proper behavior from their parents because we are godlike. Look, if Christ loves us the way most of us love in relationships, where you see 50-50 effort, 20-80, or even zero, 200% effort. Yes, because there are marriages where some spouses are just inactive. But if Christ loved us like that, we probably would all be in some big trouble right now. You know what I mean? But Christ loved us first and very unconditionally by first dying on the cross for us. That is his selflessness and gave himself up for us even when we did not deserve it. And that's how we ought to love in our relationships. And the truth is, when you are in a relationship for the other person, it still ends up being about you. And by making it about the other person, I don't mean just about date nights and all the cute stuff. All that is great, but no. Like, how can I be of service to you? How can I be of service to this spouse of mine? What issues are you going through that I can help you with? Because God has equipped each one of us with all the right abilities to handle the issues in our marriage as a way of service to our spouse. We've been called to a life of service even in our marriage relationships, just like Jesus did. And Ephesians 5 shows us exactly how husbands and wives have been called to serve one another in a marriage. Ephesians 5, verse 21 to 33, uh, reading from the NIV version, uh, 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is A profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is a powerful but popular verse among married couples. I've heard it many times, uh, mainly because it talks about the wife submitting, which is great, but it also has something there for the men. Yes, for me as a woman, I've been called to submit to my husband, but people sometimes think submission means for a man to rule over his wife. No, that was a result of the fall in the beginning when God said in Genesis 3 verse 16 that Adam will rule over his wife because of Eve's disobedience. It was a result of the curse due to the fall of man. Well, thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus because we have been redeemed and my submission to my husband and your submission to your own husband doesn't mean he has to rule over you. No. The verse says, submit to your husband as you do to the Lord because the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church and the church is his body. That is the body of Christ. Let me try to break this down for you exactly the way the Holy Spirit revealed this to me. And that is if the husband, okay, is the head of the wife, and Christ is the head of the church, and the church is his body, then the wife, therefore, is like the church, that is Christ's body. So the husband is the head and the wife, the body, which the husband is head over. Did you get that? Because naturally, I'm not a neuroscientist or anything, but from my own experience, my body has to submit to my brain, which is a part of the head, for all systems to work the way they should. And from my limited knowledge on neuroscience and from what I've seen in the movies, at least I know that if someone is said to be brain dead, the body is considered to be dead as well because the brain controls vital functions such as breathing, swallowing, movement, and some other things. We know our body so you know what you, know, you can come up with other functions. Therefore, the wife has to submit as the body because the man is the head. Hmm. But the Holy Spirit did not stop there. He went on to also show me that when a man remains the head and his wife becomes his body as if it were her own body by putting him first because she is not there for herself. So as women, we are called to submit by serving our husbands as if it were our own bodies. to cater to the needs of the body like clothe it, take care of it, nurture it, cleanse it, feed it, maintain it, and other stuff, but just like you would do your own body. Meaning for the marriage to work, you have to submit to him by making it about him a hundred percent service to your husband, but the scripture does not end there. I know we're accustomed to ending where it says, wives, submit to your husband's but no, it continues because there has to be a balance. And also because we don't serve a God of confusion, he knows how to provide a balanced meal from his word, a word so sweet and satisfying. So Ephesians 5, 25 to 29 goes on to say, the husband also does his own kind of submission, but a submission of love. It says, husbands, love, and give up yourself for your wife. This is me paraphrasing here, okay? It says, husbands, love and give up yourself for your wives, wives, that is, submit to her needs. But how? The verse says, husbands are called to love their wives by doing specific things because love is action. And us women, we love to see love in action, okay? (laughs) Come on, somebody. We love to see our love in action. The verse in Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 29 says, Love your wife, husbands, love your wife by giving up yourself for her like Christ did for the church to make her holy by cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. I don't know about you, But when I read that verse over and over, I was like, that must be some pretty good washing and attention to detail to ensure there is no stain or wrinkle or blemish. A submission of love, an act of service from husband to wife. A hundred percent dedication to her because the husband is not meant to be in the relationship for himself, even though he is the head. He has to take care of his body, which is, His wife, right? Like we read in Ephesians 5. And that is just so amazing to me. I don't know about you, but isn't God good? His word is just so full of revelations. And this one just pertains to marriage and how we are meant to operate in it. The word didn't say the wife should present herself by herself, but the husband should. Are you getting that? Both husband and wife have to submit to each other carrying out their various functions and roles, yet providing a 100% act of service to the other, not directly for themselves. Can you see here that they are both giving 100% of themselves for the other? Because giving of yourself for the other person 100% is what enables a man to cleave with his wife, as it's said in Ephesians 5.31. But why? Because while both giving 100% of themselves for the other, it cancels out to equal one. Hmm. What I mean is 100 effort divided by 100 effort is one because they cancel out by giving 100% for the other to become one. (laughs) Yes, I know 50 divided by 50 will also equal one, but where is the outstanding 50, 50 from both people? Where is it? What is it being used for? Is it being parked for a rainy day? This marriage, your marriage, my marriage, our marriage, we should all be in it to win it. And we need to take our marriages back from the enemy. But we can only do it when we are operating at capacity. And that is at 100%. That's why understanding is required to understand how God intended for relationships and marriage to be, but because of religion and tribes, creeds, and man's own inhibitions that have come to dilute the word of God and for so long have somehow replaced their own wrong beliefs, beliefs, which is not based on the word of God. No, there is not a man that created relationships. No. Yes, we are God-like and we also create things like our Father, but relationships was never ours to create. God already created it long ago from the beginning and He doesn't need our help to recreate it because it was never broken. He only needs us to understand them and do them very well. So understanding is required to correct the root issue before any other thing can work truly for relationships. In order to be in it, to win it, you need to be in it for the other person, not for yourself. But that action has o- that action has to be reciprocal for it to be balanced. That's the only way you can give 100%, not 50-50. And we can clearly see this in Ephesians 5, 21 to 31. Because think about it, think about it. When you give 50 and your spouse gives 50, What is the unused 50% on both ends for? Certainly not for the marriage. So where is it invested? Marriages with a 50% reserve are marriages that have alternatives when things are not going well in the marriage. It is a selfish approach where you shouldn't be in it for yourself in the first place. So that's problem number one. Divorce didn't just happen, it was gaining muscle in the unused 50% cheating didn't happen one day it was growing in the unused 50 percent or whatever percentage that wasn't being used you don't you, you 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 don't just hurt your wife for no reason you are hurting her because you don't understand her you are in it for yourself and some spouses give zero percent while the other gives 200 percent And we tend to see this a lot in Africa, where in some marriages, not all marriages in Africa though, but some, and also some marriages in North America as well. It happens here as well, people, where all the burden is on the wife, both physically, spiritually, mentally. But no, God did not design for relationships or marriage to be so. It wasn't so. Like one of my mentors will say, Bishop David Oedek, well, he'll say, but from the beginning, it wasn't so. And likewise, from the beginning, it wasn't so for your marriage or relationships because that is not God's intention or design for your relationship or your marriage. But God wants to bring about a mind shift here today. He wants to restore homes because the devil is never resting to destroy our homes. So we have to be never resting as well to guard our homes. God wants to bring about a shift in marriages, but it first starts with understanding. Oh, I can feel it in my spirit that some people listening are going through some stuff in their marriage. Unhealthy cycles that keep repeating over and over again, no one has been able to to help, but God says he's providing restoration because when light has been obtained from the word of God, then understanding has been released and the suffering ends. Because Hosea 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, but when knowledge is received, there is restoration, because with knowledge of the Holy One through the Word of God is understanding. And that's from Proverbs 9 verse 10. God wants to restore homes on the brink of divorce, back unto himself, and something as little as understanding is what is required to save that marriage. Don't give up on that marriage because you think all hope is lost. No, hope was never lost. Understanding was required before an effective work can be done. God says he created marriages for you to be in it, to win it, not to fail. God is calling all marriages to wake up from their slumber if they're sleeping because there is work to do. The enemy cannot have your marriage and that's why God wants you to begin to understand that you can be in it, to win it, as long as this understanding of 100% in the marriage is adopted. No, God doesn't mean for you to be in a marriage where you're in it and just barely surviving. No, no. He wants you to be in a happy, joyous, untroubled, blessed, purposeful, and wholesome marriage with your spouse. That kind of marriage where you genuinely love your spouse, the kind of marriage where you are actively pursuing the purposes God has for that marriage, a marriage where you are not resentful because God created marriages for you to win it and be happy enjoying yourself as you do it and fulfilling the purpose of God together. God wants you to understand that you need a full tank in your vehicle, that is marriage, in order to reach your destination. God is saying to you that you can't put in 50%, a half tank of gas and expect to reach the destination when 100% is required. God says you can't put in 20% and expect to get 100% in return. God says you can't put in 10% and expect 100% because all you will get for 10% will be 10%. But that is not God's intention. He wants 100% from you and your spouse in that marriage because your marriage was designed to bring glory to God. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but God wants you to know that, that that marriage may be suffering only because the gas tank is half full and a full gas tank is required. Understanding is required before restoration can be manifested. And that's why marriages are suffering today. And I don't mean just the ones ending up in divorce. There are marriages that are pretty much non-existent within the marriage. They're not happy. They feel stuck. Understanding is required because a lack of it has allowed a lot of things to divide up the family. There's no unity. There's no peace. There's always something wrong going on. But the Holy Spirit wants you to know that with this understanding, He can direct you on what you need to do to get back on track. The Holy Spirit wants to help you by showing you the exact steps to take to correct those mistakes and start being about your spouse and vice versa. But it starts with understanding in the word and walking with God. All the baggage that has been stored up over time and piled up, the Holy Spirit wants to help you clear it up, but understanding is required. Because if divorce happens and you find another vehicle of marriage to run into, the baggage will only get carried over and it keeps getting carried over and a full gas tank will will still be required. So where are you running to? And I feel the Holy Spirit also speaking of people who may have actually run from marriage to marriage and thinking of running to another marriage. God is saying you also need understanding. You keep running to these marriages and you seem to be stuck in running from marriage to marriage because you keep going to discover yourself, not the other person. It can't keep being about yourself. You need understanding from the word of God. And your relationships may have failed because you got into it for yourself and perhaps the other person did too. And you're struggling to get married. God wants you to understand that understanding is what you need. God is saying understanding is required because you can't expect to go into a marriage or live in a marriage with the mindset of a single person. That's why it never worked. There is hope for your marriage. Your marriage will be a testimony to others, but first you need to understand the heart of God for you and your marriage. You need to go back to God through his word and prayer so he can show you who he created you to be and your role in that marriage. God wants to show you through the help of the Holy Spirit, the role you have to play in your spouse's life and to also understand the purpose for the relationship. Because when you shine light on an issue, a dark place, it will become clear to see what you need to do. Because marriages, including your marriage, they're all also a part of the laborers needed to work the harvest field, to bring souls to the kingdom of God, like it says in Matthew 9, 38. And that's why the enemy, is after our marriages. But I begin to speak in the mighty name of Jesus that the enemy will never have your marriage. I begin to speak life to any and every marriage out there that, 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 that needs understanding that the Holy Spirit for as many for as many that are willing will provide direction on what needs to be done to restore that marriage. I pray that you flood their hearts, O God, and minds with the understanding that 100% commitment is required in the marriage and may this understanding bring a transformation, a restoration back to the way God intended for their marriages. Wholesome, happy, joyous, purposeful marriages. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, and I'm sure this message has blessed you as much as it has blessed me. Please like, subscribe, share, leave a comment to let me know how you've been blessed by this message. Or if you'd like to email us, you can do so by writing to us at info at walkinginpurpose.ca. Also, don't forget to follow our page on Instagram and also Facebook, and it is at Podcast. And also share with as many as the Holy Spirit leads you to share with. God bless you and I'll see you next week.